At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Umbrella Corporation, internal document number five. We have the bioweapon locked and loaded in our attack helicopter on our mission to unleash it against a powerful opponent and retrieve the combat data. Having learned all we could from fighting the STARS team, we have found another tough battle for the Nemesis T-Type. Intel suggests that in this swamp, there lies a large green creature capable of strong destructive force. Flying low over the swamp, we hear the sounds of... Is that Smash Mouth? And then the ogre we're looking for comes into view. This one is named Shrek and serves to be a bounty of combat data for our teams to unpack later. Dropping off the nemesis... Now! And may God have mercy on anything else that lives in that swamp. It's the Onion versus the Chaser... It's life versus death. It's Shrek versus the Nemesis. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabsy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus, in today's episode. We are doing the unthinkable. We are pitting one of the most well-loved children's characters of all time against a heavily modified, zombified tank of a monster. That's right, I'm talking about Resident Evil's very own heavyweight, Nemesis versus Shrek. As usual, I did the patented Hoodwin Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, 
And this is surprising. This matchup has been discussed before. <laughs> and actually, it. Was, yeah, it's crazy. It was actually taken to another level. This matchup, you know, it's been so discussed that some intrepid modder replaced Nemesis, the uber zombie villain of Resident Evil, with none other than Shrek in the video uh, game. I checked tracks. out the video of the shrek size Resident Evil gameplay, and I got to tell you, it's absolutely freaking horrifying. Like, if you thought Shrek could be, like, terrifying before or whatever, there's nothing like seeing this movie. But even with all that being said, no one really dared to find out who would win between Shrek and the Nemesis until now. So, Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I always love a good video game character matchup. And I'll open the curtain a little bit here. We had a very hard time in the boardroom coming down with what we were going to do in this episode. You know, even coming down with Shrek before we left it open for the suggestions, that took, like, to the 11th hour to get to before when it was actually time to post. It was like, guys, we have to finally make a decision. And Shrek was, like, the eighth name on the list, but somehow <laughs> won. I don't always know how that works with the production team. And then Nemesis, again, it was basically right up until the time we, like, we have to post something. We have to make a decision. Usually this comes together a heck of a lot faster. And there were other options that I think I liked better. And, James, you know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to spoil it in case it comes back later this season. But the Nemesis T-Type from Resident Evil ended up making the cut P's been requested for a very, very long time now, and I'm excited anytime we get a Resident Evil character on the show. Look, I think what sold it was the nice juxtaposition of loved childhood yes. character Shrek versus absolute horrific killer yes. in the Nemesis. Now, okay, let me really reveal to the audience what happened. The reason why it took so long for us to get to a decision about this battle was because the uh, Hoodwin production team and HR actually came down on uh, Ray and myself, and uh, we're we talk had to about sit that. there. All right, yeah, we 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 sat there. Evidently, uh, there were some complaints within the internal team. Ray and I, uh, in their minds, were were slamming each other, yelling at each other, insulting each other got, too much. Got pretty vicious. And um, yeah. Ray, I, I just got a, a memo before the show. They thought that the best course of action. This is ridiculous. Was for us to each say, you know, three nice things about each other. And I'm totally against this, but we got to do it for HR. I saw the memo. I didn't think we were actually going to do it. We <laughs> listen. If we want to get paid, I think we got to do it. I'm doing it. All right. So I'll, I'll start. This stuff never works, but whatever. First one, Ray. I really got nothing. As ugly as you are, you are not the most hideous looking man I've ever seen. You know there what? You I'll take that, James. Okay. What yes. I appreciate you is your complete lack of reference level for any Thunderdome matchup we put in front of you. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'm working on it. Ray, you're not the worst-smelling person in the world. Definitely top 10, though. Not the worst. Def top 10. Not the worst. See, that's we're getting, making progress here. James, what I like about you is that you come from Canada, and Canada has given us so many wonderful things like Celine Dion and oh, Mounties. <laughs> Celine Dion. We've, uh, we have apologized for Celine Dion so many times. Okay, Ray, of the few social skills that you do have, because you don't have a lot, and even though you do turn a lot of people off all the time, sometimes strange dogs are okay with you petting them. It, that's, that's a fact. Yes, that will happen sometimes. Last for you, James. I really like it when you don't cheat on the Who Would Win show. I wish it would happen more often. <laughs> See, three nice things each way. We did it. 
the most worthless exercise we could ever do. And this is uh, uh, frightening because of who we have on as the judge today. I think this person was behind the HR memo we got. So, um, yeah, this did not go well. Let's just do this. All right. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's the most powerful person in Who Would Win history. It's the host of the Brent Fist Podcast with Brent Pope. It's the one and only Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you very much for having me back on again. But as always, you had no choice. That's uh, right. It's true. Yeah. And also, I did, I, you know, I did, you did forget one part of my, all of my accolades, the undefeated Brent Pope. Yeah, how'd you forget that, James? I mean, he's never beaten me, but you know, whatever. Yeah, that was so. That was so suspect. Ray admitted to me then. privately that he he just concedes. Uh, That's fair. Like in life, uh, yeah. you know, Brent. <laughs> How dare you? Here's the thing, Brent. Before we get into the HR memo, tell uh, our legion of audience, uh, the fan base, if you will, what you've been up to. Tell them about your great show and and everything else that that goes on in the wonderful life of our executive VP. Well, I'm just about to do the uh, season three finale of Brentfest. It doesn't seem like it's been three years, but it's all wow. almost been three years. I've got a pretty big name, 90% locked in, so I can't say who it is yet, but I will post it w- when it happens. I mean, I'm uh, right here. And <laughs> you know, I can just confirm it right now. <laughs> and I do, and I, I've just, I've been booking a few TV shows now, and one of them is about to come out, but I still cannot talk about any of them for, if, if I was, if it was a month later, I probably could, but, Anyway, I've been very busy, also with my responsibilities keeping you two yahoos, you know, oh, in line and having to, you know, my arm is cramping up from all these HR memos. But uh, I and I did get a note just now from the 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 HR president. He said he's going to need that one more time for you guys, but with feeling. Jeez, <laughs> all right, one run more. it back. Okay, one more. That's all what right. he said. I don't want to hear anymore. No, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, I just I don't think I can stomach another one. Brent, here's the deal. I think there's a healthy respect between Ray and I, which is something, you know, that people just don't understand. It's healthy in that we respect each other's nothing. I got nothing. Seriously, there's no respect whatsoever, but it works. It somehow it works. Ray, can we at least agree? As much as you and I are not on the same page, somehow throughout all the chaos, we lasso some type of success out of this show. Are we at least on the same page with that? I am on the same page that I enjoy the checks I receive from the Who Would Win show. We have a great show. We got Ray repping the nemesis. You got me repping Shrek. We've got the executive and undefeated VP of Who Would Win, Brent Pope. We have everything you need for another amazing episode of Who Would Win. With all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DreamWorks, the forest creature who has made plenty of films. But personally, I found them to be ogre-rated Shrek and representing Capcom the hulking monster whose favorite Lucky Charms marshmallow shape is obviously stars the nemesis didn't all those marshmallows all taste the same yeah they're marshmallows James that's how marshmallows work we don't have marshmallows does your reference level uh, problems now move on to marshmallows we're not allowed nice things in Canada. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The first day I got here, I, I bought like eight bags of marshmallows. Yeah, that they weren't good. All right. Now, 
Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match, which are brought to you by Comixology, one of our great sponsors. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I know of two versions, I believe, of this character. Which version are you going with today? Who are we kidding? It's the video game version of the Nemesis. Got it. I will be going with the 1908 version of Shrek, which the movie was based off of. I love it. It's a German uh, fable of uh, Poor Man in a Swamp. No, I will be going with the film version of Shrek because he is awesome. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. Finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Hoodwin store to get your very own Hoodwin merchandise and accessories. Go to hoodwinstore.com to get your hands on some Hoodwin merch right now, absolutely during this episode. Get all of your shirts, all of your mugs, everything you need to enjoy every episode of Hoodwin. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. 
Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Nemesis. The Nemesis, otherwise known as the Nemesis T-Type, is the featured monster antagonist in the video game Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, which released in 1999. He was created by Shinji Mikami and Kazuhiro Aoyama. The Nemesis T-Type is a humanoid bioweapon created to be the ultimate bioweapon. He was created by infecting a T-103 model tyrant with the Nemesis Alpha Parasite, designed to increase its intelligence. This resulted in a hulking monster with the intelligence to use modern weapons and track the player anywhere that they go. Fun fact, there's an ancient Greek goddess named Ramnusia, which translates to Nemesis. In Greek mythology, that goddess is the goddess of vengeance and retribution, taking its name from a god whose name means your enemy, pretty much lets the player know right away that the Nemesis is going to be a major problem. That is the Nemesis. Very cool. Here are the important details for Shrek. Shrek, voiced by Canadian Michael Myers, first appeared in 2001 as a character in the American computer animated comedy film loosely based on the picture book of the same name, which was written by William Stieg. Introduced as a big, green, terrifying ogre, Shrek presents himself as bad-tempered and irritable. He begins as an unsociable hermit until he meets his soon-to-be best friend, Donkey, who's an actual donkey. In a deal with Lord Farquhar, he and Donkey embark on a quest to save Princess Fiona from the castle in which she was confined due to a curse that made her turn into an ogre every midnight. Despite their differences, Shrek and Fiona end up falling in love and start a family by having three ogre babies in the third Shrek film. And here's an interesting fact about Shrek. Did you know that the actual term Shrek is a real word? It's true. The name Shrek comes from the German word Shrek, oddly enough, which means fear or terror. It's also the name of old Hollywood actor Max Shrek, who famously played the scary vampire Orlok in the film Nosferatu in 1922. Now, you got to compare this with, you know, Nemesis, named after Nemesis, or Shrek, which means fear or terror. I think if someone would said, oh, oh, Shrek's coming at you, that would put more fear and terror in your... I don't know where I'm going with this. All right, now you have the facts on both opponents. Brent, do you have any questions before we get started? Not really. I am... Really excited because this is a weird matchup, <laughs> and I haven't got to do one of these weird matchups like this. I'm gonna—I know quite a bit actually about both of these characters, so I'm gonna try to make sure that I let you guys make the arguments. And if you guys forget to talk about stuff, then you forget to talk about it. But good luck to both of you. This is gonna be weird <laughs> or great, but probably weirdly weird. great. I hope. Yep, greatly weird. All right, race to Canis. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the nemesis. Now, I said before in the intro that his body is based on that of a tyrant uh, version, what, 103. So I thought I'd use my point number one to lay the groundwork of what a tyrant can do, and then we'll build that house upon that foundation as we go along. The tyrant monster goes all the way back to Resident Evil 1. It's a seven-foot bio-organic monster infected with what's called the T-virus, tyrant, there you go, 
and it, it is, uh, it's got a giant claw hand that's extremely powerful. Now, it's an extremely durable monster, the Tyrant is. It can take massive amounts of gunfire. It, can, it will fall down if it takes a huge amount enough damage. But then usually within five seconds, the darn thing just gets right back up again and keeps on fighting. So keep in mind the two-minute rule for a who-would-win match. Putting a Tyrant by itself down for a full two minutes is a gloriously difficult thing to do. And every time you put him down in the game, he recovers pretty quickly. You got to get out of there. The Tyrant's also pretty fast for being a big hulking monster. It can run up to 43 miles an hour, which means that, you know, it, it's while it can't keep up with, you know, speeding cars, automobiles, it can keep up with nearly any type of organic creature that it's going to be going after. And I don't see Shrek moving much faster than that at all. And then that claw, that giant claw hand is really, really potent. It can slice through metal control panels like Kylo Ren did in episode seven when he got really angry with the lightsaber. That's what he can do to these things on the reg, but without a lightsaber. He could put his claw right through human bodies, impale people, gore them, and take them out. He did that to a guy named Albert Wesker, who's been on the show before, who's a superhuman character who was wearing body armor at the time. Now, now, at the, when he did it to Wesker, I don't think he was fully superhuman yet, but he was still wearing body armor and it didn't matter. Punch right on through the body. He also is a very potent smashing machine. He was able to smash through feet of concrete above him, which is the hardest place to destroy things because, you know, you don't have, you know, the gravity's working against you. He was able to reach the surface of like, a, I believe it was like a landing pad or the street or something. He was able to smash through there and attack our heroes that way. He's also extremely strong. He could pick up cars and throw them. Just pick up cars and throw them at people. I know Shrek is a strong character as well. It needs to be said that the basic tyrant is also extremely strong. And another important feature is Shrek feels pain. Shrek does not like to get hurt. The tyrant, on the other hand, feels no pain whatsoever. It is a bioorganic creature, but you can set the thing on fire. You can shoot it. You can stab it. You can do whatever. He will fight through that damage, through that pain, because he just flat out doesn't feel it. And the way the tyrant was defeated at the end of Resident Evil 1 took a full-on, like, rocket launcher that hit directly into his chest that was like a gifted, like super-powered rocket launcher from one of the other characters. My point is, the amount of damage that it takes to take one of these tyrants out is on a level that I don't think Shrek can deliver. And that's the baseline of what we're talking about when we're talking about the nemesis. That's my point number one. So, you know, I, I love this because obviously I'm not super familiar with the video game version of uh, the nemesis, but... You know, anytime you make a comparison with a tyrant and or anything, compare anything to Kylo Ren, my confidence goes up dramatically. As I said in the last episode of uh, of Who Would Win, if I had to get into a fight with Kylo Ren without a lightsaber in my hands, I'm still confident I would win. That is a horrible comparison to make. How dare you? I would retract that right now if I were you, Race to Canis. Now, listen. I did it for you, James. I know you did. You like to push buttons. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing really to push back on in all this. The Nemesis character is great, you know, based on a super powerful character. This is awesome. Unfortunately, it's just nowhere near 
even as a nemesis, as awesome as what Shrek can do and what Shrek represents. And let me kind of start off with my point number one, with Shrek's just physicality. I mean, there's so much more to this character, but let's just start off with his physicality. Look, Shrek is somewhere between seven and eight feet tall, weighs probably around 600 pounds. He's got a super strong upper body and kind of looks like he skips leg day at the gym. With that said, he's much, much more powerful than he looks which is saying a lot. So he's got superhuman strength. He's so strong that he caught a dragon by her tail, because the dragon's actually the name of her character, and stopped her in her tracks. This is a super massive dragon, and easily caught her by the tail and stopped her. He can easily pick up a massive steel gate for, from a, you know, a castle has with one hand and just throw it up in the air. He was leaning against a large sailing ship and accidentally pushed it into the water, again with one hand. He gently threw a glass ball at it to christen that ship, and the bottle destroyed the bottom corner of the boat. That is crazy. Not only sinking it, but also caused a massive fiery explosion. How that works in you know sailboats, I have no idea. But Shrek can do that. On a wood, you know, um, he was able to throw his friend Donkey into space. Again, he picked up a donkey that weighed, you know, donkeys weigh anywhere from eight hundred to over a thousand pounds. Let's say this one was like five hundred pounds. He picked up a donkey with one hand and threw it into space. Do you have any idea how strong you have to be to do that? That is like Canadian James Gavsey strength, at, le at least. He's got superhuman durability. He survived being burned alive by the dragon again, who, you know, breathes fire. Um, he listens to his wife singing with no difficulty, even though her singing can kill animals. That's pretty cool. He gets, not the killing of animals, it's just that the ability, that, that's horrible. He gets shot in the butt with an arrow, doesn't feel it at all. He shrugs off massive falls. He got hit super hard with a tree and was unfazed and even started laughing after the hit. It, it's absolutely crazy. He's got superhuman endurance. You know, I guess that ogre physiology lets him like kind of just run for hours at a time. So he's not going to be getting tired in this fight. He's got superhuman speed. He's so fast. He he could outrun Dragon, again, that character named Dragon, a full-grown dragon, flying at him at full speed. He outran, dodged, and invaded numerous crossbarrows, shot him at the same time. This is someone who can move really fast. That's due to his superhuman reflexes. And we saw them when he was fighting against, uh, I guess, three witches, and one threw a skull chain at him. I love this. a kid's show, and there's witches throwing skull chains that like, bite into people. And the skull chain came at him, so it was a skull biting down, and he had handcuffs on. He allowed someone to put them on. He turned around and put the handcuffs into the mouth area of the skull chain that's being thrown and kind of broke them all apart. That is crazy. He's got superhuman agility. We see him using a sign uh, of a shop, of a some type of shop. He used that sign as a surfboard. Then he uses that surfboard to cross dozens of rooftops across this village, all while dodging arrows, pitchforks, any other type of projectile being launched at him. And while he's doing this, he's smiling and laughing, having his eyes closed half the time. This is crazy. He's got super enhanced senses. He's got superhuman eyesight. He can smell things really well. And he's got a great sense of hearing. His super roar can create strong gusts of winds and blow people apart. This is crazy what he can do. So when you look at Shrek, it's not just a creature being that super physical capabilities. Oh, no. When you look at Shrek, you see someone, someone that has something at his disposal that Nemesis has, the Nemesis, I should say, has never encountered before, which I will reveal in my point number three. But all of his physicality is my main thing. That's my point number one. Interesting to say, you know, you talk about this battle with the witches, and this is something I wanted to bring up with Shrek himself. And that's often Shrek isn't facing the most directly menacing enemies in the world. You know, you talk about that dragon. That dragon was big and silly and fun and ended up, what, dating the donkey? I mean, you know, the witches I saw, the witches fight that I'm glad that you brought up. They were able to use that skull chain uh, from flying in the air. They're a little skinny on a broom. They were able to clamp both of his legs and then fly away with him. 
which means that he can easily be moved if these skinny witches on brooms can grab each of his legs and then upend him. You want to talk about skipping leg day, it seems pretty clear looking at his physicality that Shrek has skipped every leg day in existence. The nemesis, on the other hand, is pure muscle, pure power, pure force, and it's going to come at him in in an aggressive way that Shrek has not really been asked to handle up until this point. Witches are pretty powerful. Has Nemesis ever faced off against witches? Don't think so. (coughs) We'll see where this goes. Brent Pope, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at right now with this battle? Well, the thing I immediately drew together from what you guys said is that Nemesis has a claw for smashing, or I would call it a smash claw, if you will. And the movie Shrek has a song by Smash Mouth. Wow. So... You know, both characters equally smashing, equal at smashing. I guess we'd have to see them in a contest of, like, smashing pumpkins or something like that to see Mm. who wins. But we don't know. We haven't seen that yet. So I'm going to say right now, the most impressive thing that I heard was was Shrek throwing a donkey into space. That's, I mean, that's got a, it's got a, to uh, to overcome gravity, it's got, it was like 250,000 miles an hour or something like that. I mean, it's really fast. I mean, that math sounds correct. Uh, I know how powerful Nemesis is too, though. So I'm going to say it's a, a pretty much a draw after the first round, but uh, interesting already. I just wonder if Nemesis, if there was a donkey that was in the area, would Nemesis be able to throw it into space? Now, I, my question with all of this is, uh, was Donkey on board with being thrown into space? Because I don't remember this moment from the movies. Uh, he was smiling. I saw. I just saw the clip. He was smiling as he was being thrown. So I don't think he was against it. Okay, I'm not so really sure there's how a that... big difference between doing that to someone who's a willing participant and somebody who's fighting you. That's all I'm going to say. Well, we're not really debating if someone was being thrown against their will. It's more of the fact that he picked up a donkey and threw it into space. The fact that the donkey was willing or not willing kind of isn't the point we're going with. But I, I do note your point, Ray. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, with that being said, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for the nemesis. Now, I want to talk about how now he's the nemesis. We're going to talk about how the upgrades from the actual tyrant. There's a thing called the nemesis parasite, which the the, the tyrant had an intelligence problem. It was basically a bestial creature that you couldn't really tell what to do. It just sort of was there. It killed stuff. It it smashed its way out of things and then killed more stuff. That's not good. It's good on a battlefield, but you can't control it. So they created these nemesis parasites and they had them. And then they put them inside the bodies of these tyrants in order to get over the pro- the intelligence problem. So uh, he's a very, very smart creature who's capable of using weapons, tracking, searching, has limited vocabulary, and he can actually like go on a mission with single purpose in mind. Important. Now, he's wrapped in a protective coat, and that protects him against all manners of bullets and explosions, which I actually learned. I didn't realize the coat was anything other than something that looked cool. The Nemesis's coat actually reflects bullets and explosions. So any kind of you know physical damage, punches, kicks, bites, whatever Shrek's going to come in on with the Nemesis, that coat actually provides him a good degree of protection. Shrek, on the other hand, wears like a tunic. 
does not provide him a whole heck of a lot of protection on the battlefield. An important thing with the Nemesis, I mentioned before, incredible regenerative abilities. You can hit him with basically anything, and if you do manage to knock him down, he just takes seconds to recover and then stands back up again and comes back at you. If you're playing the Resident Evil 3 game and you take out the Nemesis, you probably want to move after that. You don't want to stick around and see what's going on. At one point in one of the crazy scenes from the uh, Resident Evil 3 remake, Jill Valentine, a big superstar soldier, a hero of the STARS program, was in a car. She drove, hit Nemesis with the car, which enough would be enough to take somebody out. Nemesis crawls onto the hood of the car and smashes the windshield to try to grab her. She drives the car off the roof of a parking garage. As he's riding it down on the front, the car lands on Nemesis and then smashes flips upside down. Cut to which of those two characters stood up first? The nemesis. The nemesis is the one who got up first before Jill Valentine, whose body is trained for combat situations at an elite level. He got up first and immediately started causing trouble. One in... A couple other things that Nemesis can do. He punches through solid walls of granite, including into Jill Valentine's apartment in the opening scene of the remake. He once grabbed and threw a city bus. And he also uses weapons. And this is huge. Shrek doesn't use weapons. Uh, uh, Nemesis uses a rocket launcher that he's very, very accurate with because it's got a little laser sight on it. He also uses a minigun, which is just rough. It fires, you know, hundreds and hundreds of bullets, very high caliber bullets, at a very high rate of fire. And that's the question I have. What does Shrek have in long range? The nemesis likes to attack at long range if he can help it, if he can do it first. Shrek has no long range capabilities, so Nemesis can just sit back and destroy him because he's faster as well. And, and, and the damage output, you know, we talked about how hard the tyrant was to bring down. Huge explosions don't stop the Nemesis. Being thrown from an exploding train does not stop the Nemesis. Missile launcher hit next to him, blew him like uh, across the little ways did not stop the Nemesis. None of that is a big deal. He got dumped into a vat of industrial acid. No big deal. And he's also got a couple other bonuses, infrared display with HUD. That's how he sees, like the Predator, uh, except that he has a heads-up display, which tells him when people are hiding from him. And most standard weaponry is of no use. And the last thing I want to mention here to lead into point three, if you are lucky and you do enough damage to the nemesis, he just mutates into a different form that's more powerful than the one you were just facing. And we'll get into that in my point number three, but that's all I've got to say for my point number two. Great stuff, great stuff. I do have to push back on a few things. However, the first thing I'm going to say is I want to give points to Nemesis for having just such a great fashion sense. You know, for someone who just, you know, he's not, he he's really good. not the smartest person around. But wow, does he ever look good? And he's got a tapered uh, waist. So you got see like that V taper from shoulders to waist. And just the, I just, he just yeah. wears that well. I'm slightly jealous for a big guy. I just points for a uh, fashion. It's upsetting that the nemesis dresses better than I do. Upsetting or not surprising or, I'm, I mean, it's fair. why pick one? Why pick one? All right. Uh, number The other thing I got to do, uh, he's got an intelligence problem. I'm not saying he's what we used to say in Canada, stupid, dumb. 
but he's not far from it. And, you know, when you say you said he's a very smart person, but he's got a very limited vocabulary and command over words. You can't have be smart, but can't use words because you don't understand words that well. And that's because he's got that singular mindset. That also is what makes him really dangerous, by the way. So it's not it's just pushing back on the intelligence. Nemesis can stand back back up, but he can be impaled and he can be pinned down by stuff, which is really cool. Uh, let's see. Shrek can throw stuff from a far range. He was really good at throwing things. Uh, small things or large things with superhuman force and accuracy. And finally, you know, Nemesis is kind of limited. He can punch, he can grab, he can throw. That's kind of it. And tear. He can tear. That's right. He can tear. So that's kind of what you're dealing with. All right. But let me get to my point number two to kind of uh, make a little bit more sense of this battle. Let's talk about Shrek's extra powers and his fighting ability. So some fun stuff that Shrek can do. He's got super farts. This is going to be a big thing in this battle, maybe. Shrek's farts are so powerful that they can kill all the fish in a large swamp with a small, single fart. His farts are strong enough to stop a dragon's fireballs. His farts are so powerful that they can kill ghosts. I don't even know how that works, but that's a thing. His farts are so powerful, he can create fart phantoms. Yes, Shrek created fart phantoms that can attack opponents... I mean, just think about that for a second. Shrek's farts are so powerful and destructive, they can somehow come to life. How that works, again, is just is just mind-blowing. Uh, he's got super burps, whereas ogre breath and burps can paralyze and kill animals. This is pretty in intense. Even if you don't feel the actual, uh, you know, or breathe in or smell it, whatever, he's still going to be, Nemesis is still going to be affected by the paralyzation that can happen with this. It's still going to slow him down. Let's talk about Shrek's fighting ability. Turns out... He's a skilled pro wrestler, just like Ray Sicanus. So Shrek has got finishing moves. He's got incredible double clotheslines. He can do drop kicks. He can even do suplexes. And he's more than strong enough to easily do all that to Nemesis. That's not going to be a problem. He's also an amazing striker. He's been using punches, boxing kicks. Uh, he's got what looks like really good boxing to outmaneuver attacks, really good footwork. He was even able to easily catch his wife Fiona's punches. This is important because Fiona is known as an insane warrior in her realm who can hit really hard and do all this crazy stuff. And while she's throwing punches at Shrek, he was able to kind of dodge and even catch her punches. He's also a master strategist. He has a high degree of cunning and cleverness throughout all the movies. We all saw that. He's a quick thinker. You know, when you see him fighting, he comes up with a plan super fast. Uh, this is what he did when he first encountered, I think, that dragon, the character named Dragon. And he trapped her in chains by luring into a trap he planned. And, and he planned all that and executed it on the spot. All this means when fighting Nemesis, Shrek can do the same thing. Let's see, he's also outfought dozens of fully armored knights at the same time. He did the same with pirates. And both the knights and the pirates were fully armed and couldn't even stop him really at all. He's also a master of using anything around him as an improvised weapon. This is going to be important. So one time he was hiding in a pirate treasure chest. He got out looking for a weapon and said, hey, I'll use the treasure chest as a weapon to take out this massive group of pirates. Not a problem. Oh, here's a fun fact. Shrek has killed people. You know, when we talk about Nemesis, this is someone who's just going to rip people apart. Shrek has also killed people. Uh, let's see, at one point, Shrek is holding a sword, and he has to tap a knight on the shoulder, you know, to anoint him as a knight. And Shrek gently brings the sword to the shoulder and just accidentally cuts through the armor and into the person. Luckily, it's off screen, but he clearly does that. And there's another time he threw, you know, I talked about that champagne bottle at a huge sail sh uh, sailing ship, which caused the sail ship to uh, explode and crash in the water, and dozens of people were killed in the fiery explosion that resulted and were we shocked no were we appalled no were we amused and laughed and laughed yes and we laughed when the people died because why shrek is adorable with his killer instinct it's actually pretty cool now let's compare this to the nemesis for a normal person 
All right, no doubt. Nemesis is beyond dangerous. He's strong. I get it. If he hits you, it's going to be bad. If he grabs you, it can mean the end. And he exists. This is really cool for death and destruction. This thing is game to fight. And you know what else it is? It's not a good fighter. It's a brawler. It's not a tactician. It's not something that comes up with great strategies. I wish it did because it would be even cooler, but it just doesn't maybe in the next game. And if one of history's greatest moments, one of the greatest moments in human history has taught us anything, namely when Andre the Giant battled Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three, it's that the huge, insanely powerful giant of a creature gets stopped by the superior cartoon-like hero. That's history, and that's my point number two. Okay, Jane. Well, first off, you keep trying to go back to the well that the nemesis is a non, like a non-creative fighter. I'm going to destroy that in my point number three, because the nemesis uses all kinds of off-the-wall techniques to take out his people. He doesn't just run up to people, grab them, and try to tear them in half. You're describing Shrek when you're saying that. That's what Shrek does. Shrek is a puncher, kicker, biter, grabber, thrower. That's all he does. The nemesis uses a rocket launcher, a minigun. He smashes out walls onto people. Completely different. So I don't know where you're coming down with that. Two things to fight against your earlier points, though. The fart attacks and the burp attacks will not be a problem for the nemesis because if you look close at the nemesis, he has no nose. He has no olfactories. There's just a big patch of skin where a nose should be. And if you can't smell the fart it doesn't matter who dealt the fart i think that's an ancient proverb of something babylonian i believe in nature the other thing i want to talk about is throwing donkey into space because i didn't know what you were talking about i used your point figuring it would be useless to look it up that was an unused scene that never actually appeared in the movie that scene where he throws donkey into space you can only watch it with like not all the animation and with little numbers and lines at the bottom why because it's not in the movie if it's not in the movie james it's not a point that should be on the table or at the very 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 least a huge grain of salt as a crossover wait wait, wait. you think that's a crossover someone wrote that into the movie they even did some production on that it's part of the character's you know essence and you're saying that's a crossover i'm gonna push back on or that or they took it out of the movie because it is not it is not what of its essence it was too much it's not in keeping with the character which is very important james in a who would win show battle allegedly Mm, interesting i think that's not quite true but all that's really cool because we're now at the turning point but before we get to what brent has to say about the turning point Let's celebrate the Hoodwin patron of the week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we're going back to the well with one of our favorite Who Would Win patrons, Joe Leal. You're back up again. Ooh, Joe. I like Joe. Joe's a great guy. Um, I think he's Canadian, right? I'm not mistaken. All right, Joe, go up against fellow Canadian Deadpool. Well, I don't know that Joe Leal is Canadian, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter if he is Canadian, not Canadian, German, Australian, Argentinian. I could name 50 other countries, but I got to talk about Joe Leal versus Deadpool. And what's going to happen here is Deadpool's going to try to get a little bit silly. He's going to see Joe Leal. He's not going to know about all the awesome battles that he's already won in a Who Would Win show, which is surprising because of his breaking the fourth wall and knowledge outside the property. He should know, but that's part of what makes Joe Leal so powerful. The nulling effect. 
When Deadpool can't break the fourth wall, but he thinks he can, Deadpool is in deep trouble. So they're going to get into a fight. They're going to go back and forth a little bit. Joe Leal doing some like big kick spins and Deadpool's going to jump around with his swords. Deadpool's going to turn to what he thinks is the camera to make a snappy aside. But that's not going to work because it's been taken away from him. Joe Leal snaps his neck, breaks his neck. Now, Deadpool's not dead, but that's two minutes. Joe Leal wins the battle by preventing Deadpool from going fourth wall breaking. Ray, I completely disagree with you is something I can't say. I absolutely think that's exactly right. how Joe Leal would win. Congratulations, Joe Leal, with your win over Deadpool. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Brent, again, we're at the turning point. You've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Well, okay. Round two, I want to ask a couple questions. Uh, Ray... For Nemesis, now he yes. ha he always has the duster. I'm that's seems like he always has a duster. What I want to know right. from you is, and I'm going to go on what you say. What guns would he have? You know, just on the regular basis, where he's just on a, a random encounter. What would he have? What guns do you think he would have with him? Well, some you of those know, guns are really giant, and I can't yeah. imagine he'd be walking around with all of them. It it's funny because it's the two main guns, and it's been said that the way they were trying to create the character was to have him carry the rocket launcher and the minigun, and at some point have him kind of look and say, I don't know, they're both great. I can't decide which one I want to use. So if he was to use a weapon, I would say you got to look at the minigun, you got to look at the rocket launcher. If you were to pick one of the two, the rocket launcher is the one he seems to be carrying in the majority of pictures. Okay. All right, so round one, I thought Shrek had a little bit of an advantage. I think Ray did really good at just showing us how the power and the things that, uh, the powerful feats that Nemesis can do, especially when he's upgraded. And you talk about his endure durability and how he kind of comes back, even if he's defeated, he morphs into or mutates into a more powerful form almost immediately. I will say that, James, I did have to take a point away from you this round for saying that Ray was a great pro wrestler. Um, I think that's fair to Ooh. take a point away from you for saying that, James. I, I didn't even feel good saying fair. it, by the way. I was yeah. just, it was just the, <laughs> it was the it was the memo from HR. I'm like, maybe I'll slip it Leave in it to with Brent some points. Pope to take the nicest thing James Gavsey's ever said about me and take it away. Oh, and now there's an HR form about me. Dang it. Ooh, All right. Uh, but, uh, you know, for Shrek 2, the super powerful farts. And, you know, I got to I gotta think about this. Uh, and I, and I want to know if, if uh, more maybe, Ray, from you about whether he does 100% not have olfactory senses, doesn't take in, he doesn't, because that would mean that he doesn't breathe, but he does have a mouth, does he not? Yeah, he, he breathes, but okay. it's through the mouth. So, you know, the, the, the rancid effect wouldn't necessarily affect uh, it. You well, can taste farts. That's all I'm going to say. Don't yeah, ask me it, why it, I know this. Yeah, it was, it's the point is there's the fumes from the – it's the gas. It either goes in your nose or in your mouth, and the mouth is bigger than those. Okay, so he, – He's been, he's been, he's been uh, covered in acid before, and it didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. So, the, you know, the, the acrid nature of farts – if acid's not going to pull you down, how are farts, James? All I'm going to say right. is I like how, Brett, I got to agree with you. The uh, mouth is a bigger hole than the nose. Thank you. And I, look, I think this is up for grabs right now. James, you did a good job of talking about how uh, Shrek is really good at improvising, uses him as, his environment. And I think that could be a factor. So, Ray, and you said that you were going to show that 
Nemesis also does that, so I'd like to hear more about that. And, uh, you know, as as always, guys, I love to hear a good story and one that makes sense to me. So maybe whoever does that will take home the victory. I like where your head is at. Executive, VP, soon-to-be, CEO Mm -hmm. of who would win. Keep sucking up. I'm projecting. I'm just projecting. But this could go either way. I know how these things work. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Nemesis. I got a lot of things to talk about here because the Nemesis fights with a higher purpose and he can take on multiple forms, as I said in the previous uh, point. Shrek, when you beat Shrek, Shrek's done. That's it. When you knock down Nemesis and you can actually do enough damage to him to bring him down, he just very, very quickly morphs and mutates into a more powerful form to overcome, take on the damage, and make something that that amount of damage doesn't work against anymore. He's sort of like the Borg from Star Trek in that regards. You can't really kill him the same way over and over and over again. You know, the whole purpose of these bioweapons from Umbrella Corporation are combat data. They put them up against the most difficult situations, the most difficult opponents, Chris Redfield, Jill Valentine, uh, you know, Leon Kennedy, and they process all the data from them fighting so that way they can use it in their science somehow and make them better fighters the next time around. Nemesis does that, but Nemesis is also the beneficiary of a lot of that combat data that came in before. He's fought big, strong, tough characters, uh, at least in past lives, if you will. And let's talk about that second form for a second. So let's imagine somehow that uh, Nemesis doesn't beat Shrek outright. I find a hard time believing it, but let's say it. Shrek needs to beat Nemesis several times and then getting more powerful each time. And I don't think he can do it. His second form adds these tentacles to his body. How powerful are these tentacles? They're just tentacles, right? Well, these tentacles have stabbed a guy in the head killing him and also implanting the virus into the guy to turn him into a monster. So if one of these tentacles can penetrate a human being, it could penetrate Shrek and potentially implant him with the virus itself, turning him into an unstable or easily controlled monster. He also has used the tentacles like a scorpion chain, flinging them out at Jill Valentine and yanking her closer if it felt like it needed to do that. The tentacles are also very strong. They smash through feet of concrete around him. The One time somebody shot a rocket launcher missile at Nemesis, he just used one of the tentacles to grab it out of midair and throw it in another direction, blowing it up. Tentacles are out of control. He also turns a little bit more bestial in the second form. He once stunned Jill Valentine, a trained combat professional, just by roaring. You talk about the burp that stunned people. Well, he just makes a loud noise and people like take a few seconds to get reoriented afterwards. You can even cut off his limbs. If you cut off Shrek's limbs, Shrek's in trouble. If you cut off one of the limbs of Nemesis, he regrows it quickly. It's too big a healing factor for Shrek to overcome. And he can move fast. He can climb buildings with ease. And so he's able to use the environment, use the walls, use everything around him and come at you from weird angles, moving very, very fast. I've never seen Shrek climb a building like Spider-Man, slide around and then jump out with tentacles that can destroy concrete. It's just too much. And there's a third mutation that he gets to in the game, but that required him taking a massive amount of acid, more than I was talking about before, like falling into like a giant vat of it, like the Joker in Batman 89. Uh, It's very unlikely that happens in this battle, so I'm not going to stress the third form. I find it very unlikely that he gets there. But 
doesn't that leave the possibility if somehow Shrek found a way to defeat this ridiculously powerful second form? Is there not just another form that he could come up with and then keep on fighting? How many times do I think Shrek can beat Nemesis? I know the answer isn't more than one. And I don't even think the answer is one to begin with. So Shrek is just against too much here. Too powerful, too potent, too smart, too long range. And with the healing factor, this is no contest. The nemesis obviously defeats Shrek. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Here's the thing. I like the fact that the nemesis is kind of collecting data and has already had the benefit of a lot of data transferred to him through previous common experiences through what, what they've done and other creatures have done. But the reality is there's no one quite like Shrek within the world of Resident Evil. There's Sure, there's creatures that have aspects maybe of Shrek, but nothing like the combination in total and the synergy that Shrek has with all of his abilities. So the nemesis is going to be caught completely by surprise by what Shrek can do, never mind his tactics. Uh, let's see. Shrek's head, by the way, I'm going to push back on this. His head is possibly the strongest part of his body. It's a running joke. He takes head trauma like it's no one's business. He got hit in the head but with a tree. He's fine. Gets punched in the head by Fiona. He's fine. He takes high falls, lands on his head. He He's fine. Hitting him in the head is the worst thing you can do. Uh, and finally, Shrek can actually throw Nemesis off of the field of battle if he wants to throw him away. He's strong enough to do that, as evidenced by him throwing Donkey into space. But now, let me get to my point number Didn't three. Happen. I just had to throw that in there. My point number three is this. Look, you look at Nemesis, you see a lot of strong points. Not a ton of weaknesses. I get it. But there's one glaring weakness. I said it earlier. Nemesis is not the smartest person thing. It's not. Uh, in fact, Ray, to your point, the further he mutates, the stronger and more capable he becomes physically, but there's a cost because he becomes more animalistic and less intelligent as he progresses in these forms, which means he's even more likely to fall into a trap or to be ensnared in something or be positioned for Sh a Shrek to take him out or do something to him. That's just what it is. Now, there's one thing that Shrek possesses that Nemesis has never seen, not even close. He's never experienced it. It's something Shrek has that enables him to be as strong as he needs to be to overcome insurmountable odds, to pull the win from out of nowhere, to accidentally kill someone, kind of not on purpose, and make us think it's hilarious. Shrek has... Tune Force. Oh, yeah. So think about it. How else do you throw a donkey into space? How else do you have a huge fire-breathing dragon shoot intense flames into your face from point-blank range and not even be affected by it? How else do you surf through the rooftops of a village and then jump high in the air, close your eyes, and somehow land perfectly in a bale of hay that's in a cart? How do you do that when you weigh 600 pounds or 8 feet tall? It doesn't even make any sense how you surf across rooftops of a building like you're on the ocean, yet somehow he can do that. That's because of Tune Force. Now, how, I say how, do you fight against that? If you remember our classic episode, it's Race to Kings' favorite episode, it was Scooby-Doo versus Michael Myers, where Scooby-Doo used Toon Force to easily pull off the win against Michael Myers, and you'll see that Shrek can do the same thing in Nemesis, only better, because unlike Scooby-Doo, Shrek is a fighter who can use Toon Force, and not a bumbling dog who can use it, you know, by accident. So, here's how I see this fight going. Real quick, they face off. Shrek makes a comment on how ugly Nemesis is. Nemesis comes at Shrek like the juggernaut coming after the last piece of cherry pie at Hometown Buffet. That's actually me. I'm juggernaut. I did that at Hometown Buffet once. Nemesis gets the first shot, smashes Shrek into a wall. Shrek smiles and smashes Nemesis backwards into a wall just to show that he can do the same thing. Nemesis starts using every weapon he can to shoot Shrek, which is his rocket launcher, using his speed and agility. Shrek avoids all of it, everything 
and everything that Nemesis shoots. Using now his pro wrestling skills, Shrek gets in close, delivers dropkicks, clotheslines, suplex combos, something that's just crazy that Ray Cicadas can do, because I do think Ray Cicadas was a great wrestler. Nemesis hits the ground hard, but then just gets right back up. Shrek continues using superior fighting skills to hit Nemesis from every angle, only to see Nemesis just keeps on keeping on. During the fight, buildings are destroyed, cars are thrown, tons of scrap metal litters the area, thinking fast. Shrek grabs all that sharp metal he can and throws all of it high into the air until it disappears from sight. Nemesis grabs Shrek, starts smashing him. Shrek smashes Nemesis back. Nemesis throws everything can at Shrek. Shrek unleashes poisonous burps, deadly farts, and even manifests fart phantoms to attack Nemesis. They stand apart, both breathing hard. Nemesis, however, continues to mutate, becoming more animalistic, unable to even think clearly at this point. And that's when Shrek points up in the air. Nemesis looks up. Nothing happens. Shrek says, wait for it. Nemesis, now really impatient, lunges at Shrek and then proceeds to have the tons of scrap metal Shrek threw up in the air at the beginning of the fight land on him at high velocity, ripping him apart, impaling him into the ground. Already seeing Nemesis starting to regenerate, Shrek pulls out a champagne bottle, the same kind of one, thanks to Toon Force, that he used, somehow had, against that sailing boat that he was trying to christen, and throws it at Nemesis, which explodes in a flame and blows Nemesis apart because that's what it did with a sailboat. It's going to do the same thing to Nemesis. And that's just one of the ways Shrek could take out Nemesis. He can pin him down with a ton of stuff. He can tear him apart. He can throw him off the battlefield because not only is he a great fighter, not only is he super strong, he's got Toon Force at his disposal going up against the Nemesis, who the stronger they get, becomes less intelligent, something that Shrek can take advantage of. That's why Nemesis loses. That's why Shrek wins. That's my point number three. I mean, okay, I guess, James Gavsey. You know, if you talk about he's got the great pro wrestling moves, let's not forget it was a tag team match with Donkey. So he did have outside interference when fighting the Knights in that courtyard. And what happened after that fight was over, all the archers on the parapets aimed their crossbows down at Shrek, and he just stood in the middle, scared. He was afraid of a whole bunch of crossbows killing him. Let's not forget, Shrek is living out by himself in the swamp because he's afraid of people having torches and pitchforks. You know what's more powerful than torches and pitchforks? Rocket launchers and miniguns from a seven foot three bioorganic monster. At the end of the day, Shrek, you know, he did some good things against the dragon and the witches and the knights, and he's had some good moments in the series. The Toon Force, I think, is a little bit, oh, a little bit more than I would go with. Uh, he does prescribe to, you know, the, the, the burp and fart-centric sense of humor. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if there's a no-nonsense kind of a character that the only way that you can defeat is with more firepower which is a thing that Jill Valentine can do at the end of Resident Evil 3 with help, but not something that Shrek can do here. What will actually happen in the battle is that Nemesis is going to stay long range. Nemesis is going to start shooting him with the rocket launcher, start going to blowing holes in the environment, and if he's afraid of crossbows, he's going to be terrified of a hereto unforeseen rocket launcher that's firing multiple times at him. He's going to hide. He's going to duck. He's going to go into cover. Nemesis is going to have the heads-up display telling him where Shrek is, and he's just going to keep shooting. Shrek either goes down right there, or to your credit, gets off a lucky blow which just makes Nemesis mad. He regenerates immediately, becomes more powerful, gets the tentacle spikes, 
spears Shrek through with the tentacle spikes like a pin cushion with like six or seven lifts him up in the air where Shrek can do no damage to anyone. Shrek either, sorry kids, dies right there or at least is held for two minutes. Nemesis can't lose this matchup. You know, what's great about this is just like how Nemesis has had a progression and evolution, if you will, Shrek has had the same. He's no longer afraid of people. In fact, he's embraced people, which is really cool. All right, Brent Pope. Brent Pope, the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. You've heard three points from me. You've heard three points from Ray. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Shrek and the Nemesis. Well, I predicted at the beginning of this it was going to be a weird show, weird arguments, because these guys are just like, when would they ever be in the same world with each other, you know? Um, <laughs> and and you got the cartoon versus the very kind of realistic, just one... One uh, one thought at a time, monster. I will say this. I have no doubt that Nemesis has all the weapons, but and, and has the minigun and the rocket launcher. But we've, I've, at least from what James said and from what I remember, I don't remember Shrek really getting hit too much by things. He kind of is agile enough to dodge things. I did think it was really smart of James to bring up how if he does kind of continue and, and knocks him down if, and can get to the next forms, that he does get a little more like an animal, a little dumber every time. And I thought that was really smart to bring up. And I thought that the story, you know, he's he hasn't seen anybody like Shrek. And if someone has the balls to bring up that they might defeat a monster like, like the Nemesis... With fart phantoms. I'm sorry, Ray. You're going to hate me. Shrek is going to win this battle, guys. Unbelievable. You know what was really weird? That doesn't even make sense. Executive VP, Brent Pope, I don't know what it was. You and I are on the same wavelength, by the way, because I had a feeling it was a last minute call. I, I saw fart phantoms, and I'm like, what would appeal? What would appeal to Brent Pope, fart phantoms, you're a genius, now sir. That, that, now let me let me clarify, Ray. That wasn't the the really what the thing was. The part of the story that I got that made sense to me is all this nemesis, just like all this like metal being built up. That made sense to me, and then him using his environment, throwing it up in the air, and nemesis completely forgetting about it. And since he can throw a donkey in the air, which we I'm going to say that was a deleted scene or not finished scene, but it still was part of the creative process. Thank you. And uh, part part of the, what the character his potential he could have done. And we have I think we have to get a little bit of leeway with with movies because there's only a few hours of each. And just like with just like there's only you know a, a few games or there's a lot of games with Nemesis actually, but with Shrek there's a, a few movies. But anyway, I, that totally made sense to me. That this is how he would die is not. Not seeing it coming, and uh, us laughing at it while it happened. Race to Canis. Race to Canis. You wait, so so. Wait a minute. So <laughs> what hits him in the head from a few feet above his head that has no. more power than a rocket launcher from the future tech? All the metal. Yeah, but Shrek is dodging those. Yeah, Shrek. Uh, at least the, I think he's probably dodging most yeah, of that. That's that's fair. And also, I mean, uh, when the kinetic energy. Think about it. When these things fall from the clouds. What? They're, they're he, splitting this thing apart into Shrek small takes, pieces. Uh, he, ta he takes damage all the time. He doesn't dodge things. What are you talking about? That is a point that wasn't even made. I've, I've never seen actually. Shrek. Yeah, Earlier. he did make it, Earlier. and I've never yeah. seen Shrek 
like be defeated even for a I'm second glad though. Suddenly deleted scenes, you know, scenes they decided shouldn't go in the movie because they don't reflect the character are suddenly on the table. I'm apparently going to have to find old scripts before it got pared down to win battles on the Who Would Win show because things that didn't actually happen in the properties are now just on the table. What is happening on this show? <laughs> if I watch the DVDs, right, I can see that scene. It's not it's completely there. finished, but but it's not in the movie, and he's doing the movie version of the character, not the deleted scenes version of the character. You know, this is why if HR you read sends memos, the script, by the way. It, probably if you read the script of Shrek, though, that scene is probably in there, and it just didn't get fin- into the final movie. I guess we'll not know unless we all go down to Samuel I, French and pick up the, the copy script. The script isn't the movie. Well, the sh- here's a weird thing, Ray. They write a script, and then they <laughs> shoot video representations of that script, and that's what the movie is. Go on. That's it. I thought Brent Pope was immune from decisions this bad. And yet here we somehow are. Race to Canis, race to Canis, race to Canis. I just like saying your what name. What is happening I, in I, season I, By the four. way, the win today. What is happening to the judges? And se- Everyone's lost their minds. Ray, the win for you today, twofold, would be the friends you've made along the way, which are zero. And secondly, the other one is that you were paid a massive compliment, not just once, but twice. Twice I complimented your proficiency, not just as a fighter, but as a pro wrestler. I think you should pat yourself on the back. That is a big win for you today, sir. No? Nothing? I don't know what's happening on the show at this point. Well, this was another fun fight. (laughs) Brent Pope, please come back uh, anytime, not just because uh, you're our boss and you can decide when you can come back, uh, but also just come back to the the, the sheer delight of the fan base, the Legion of Audience, who loves having you on the show. Uh, With that said, all the best success to the uh, Brentfest uh, podcast. It's amazing. I got to be a guest on that. Love the show. Legion of Audience, if you're not already, we are commanding you to subscribe to that podcast and become avid listeners. You will not be sorry. With all that being said, Brent, Brent Pope, Executive VP of Who Would Win, please tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and my verified Facebook account at Scoops Pope. And uh, you can also go to you know, brentpope.com. That's also the same site as the brentfast.com. You go to the Brentfast store, brentfaststore.com. Buy some cool Brentfast swag. That's where you can find me. And on shows coming up very soon, I'll put them on my social media. So follow me. I'll probably follow you back. And uh, yeah. That's amazing. All right, Ray. You came close, I think. I'm not really sure. I won. But you were here, which is important. And you were complimented twice on the show. You're coming out. That's unprecedented for Race to Canis. How do you feel? And then also, real quick, tell everyone where they can find you online. I'm going to appeal to the people at home right now. Here we go. When something this flatly embarrassing happens on the Who Would Win show. I established that uh, high regenerative factor, uh, the fact that it took something like a futuristic rocket launcher to actually put him down for enough to win. And James Gavsey said, and tell me if this tracks for you people at home. James Gavsey said he would throw what in the air? Just anything. He'd just throw an object, a plate in the air, and the plate would land. First off, the nemesis would somehow not see it, despite having, as I established, a heads-up display that tells him where everything around him is. Apparently, this simple object landing on his head with the force of, let me check, small gravity that's somehow going to magically hit him in the head is going to not just take him out, reverse his healing factor, not create a second form, and somehow just knock him out in the center of the ring. 
Does this track based on everything you just heard for the last hour? What happened to the judging on this show? What I'm going to tell the people at home is this obviously needs to be reversed. We're going to have a <laughs> poll online. Well, James, you keep getting bad decisions from from unexpected places. Brent Pope, somebody who's been with the show the longest, somebody who at least I thought put good concepts and good ideas in his decision-making just came up with the most bizarre answer to what we just listened to. And I can't believe there's a single person at home right now who's satisfied with that result as a direct result of that happening, you people at home will have a chance to reverse this decision because that didn't make any sense. Find my poll at Almighty Ray on Twitter. I'm done with you. I just got another uh, memo from HR. Um, they said, please cut down on the shouting. And somehow I'm also to blame for this. Thanks, Ray. Really appreciate that. All right. Well, that's where you can find Ray. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for our podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Stacanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
crying when Optimus Prime died. Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode. Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower, so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! No. And Knowing is Half the Podcast.